the last couple of months, I don't know if you've been paying attention, but God's been moving on a regular basis in our services. Um, but just to note, God's been moving outside of our services also. Uh, God's been doing some great things. God, you, you, hopefully you know that God doesn't just show up uh, on Sundays. <laughs> He's a Monday to Saturday God too. And, and God's been doing some incredible things. And last Sunday we had what I believe was one of the greatest Sundays we've had ever. And we had a powerful moment of ministry time after the message and some incredible worship. And God did some incredible things to some people. I want to share one story with you. Uh, I didn't ask permission to share the story, but I'll ask for forgiveness afterwards if I mess up. But um, we, had, we had about, I don't know, maybe 12, 15 leaders up here praying for folks. And bunches of people came up for prayer. And there was a young guy who came up from prayer in his early 20s or maybe a little bit younger. And he came up for prayer. And he walked up to one of the, one of the other guys in the church. And, and that guy prayed for him. And so we all, as we all did, and... And then church was over, and I met the young fella in the, in the foyer yesterday, uh, last Sunday, and, and he had tears welled up in his eyes. And I said, but it was good, huh? He said, I've never experienced that before in my life. I said, well, tell me about it. He said, I've never experienced the love of God like I did just now. And, I mean, his, his eyes are just about to burst, like, like two dams just about to push. And I'm like, it's pretty cool, isn't it, to experience, like to physically know that God loves you, right? And he was like, yeah. He said, I've never, and that's all he could say is, I've never experienced that before in my life. And so I, I encouraged him, and, and then I walked to the other side of the building, and I walked, into, I walked up to one of our leaders, and I said, man, that was great, huh? He said, man, I've never experienced that in my life. I said, well, tell me about it. He said, this young guy came up for prayer, and as he was coming up, the Lord told me to tell him how much I love him. And so I just kept telling him how much God loves him, and, and he just started crying. And then I was, like, tearing up and crying. He's got tears. This is a big fella now. This is a big, big military fella. He got tears in his eyes, and he's telling me this story, and I'm going, what? Come on. God's been up to something. He told us this was going to happen, and it's happening, and I want you to be aware of that. God's going to move in your life in his way. And so we've opened up ourselves to God. We've, we've allowed or, or made room for God to come and move in our congregation and in our time together. And so that's kind of what I want to talk about today. Let me show you something in Mark chapter 16. No, that's, that is what I'm going to talk about today. Not kind of. There's no kindness. Mark chapter 16, go with me to verse 19 and 20. Uh, it says this in verse 19, when the Lord Jesus had finished talking with them, he was taken up into heaven and sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. Verse 20, and the disciples, or slash believers, however you want to say it, went everywhere, say everywhere, and they preached, watch this, and the Lord worked through them confirming what they said by many miraculous signs. So, so Jesus ascends into heaven. The, the, the believers or the disciples go, and they start preaching everywhere they go. I don't know if you've been with us long enough to understand this, but I've been saying this a lot lately, is we're supposed to be preaching everywhere we go. We are. You didn't join this church to send Pastor Jamie on mission to reach the city. No, you joined this church to get equipped to reach the city to go out and do the preaching just like the, the, the disciples did, right? And so as they preached, as they're preaching, watch this now, God does something incredible. Actually, Jesus does. is He, he works through them confirming what they said. How? By many miraculous signs. So I want you to put something together real quick in my message this morning. Preaching signs. Man preaches, God confirms with signs. Preaching signs. But let me clarify. Preaching his message, signs. Preaching your own message, no signs. So the title of my message today is The Great Need for Confirmation. 
There is a great need today for a confirmation to happen in every one of us. There's a great need for confirmation. What happened with the young fellow and the leader last Sunday was confirmation. He had heard the word preached, and he came up for a ministry moment, and God touched him with a sign that will forever change his life. It's like God became tangible to him in that moment. God became real to him in that moment like he had never known before. So the believers went everywhere and preached the gospel. And the Lord worked through them, confirming what they said with miraculous signs. So let me, let me give you a definition of, of, of what it means to confirm. To confirm means to make firm or more firm, to add strength to or to strengthen, to fix more firmly, watch this, to settle or establish. Let me see if I can explain it this way. When man preaches the gospel, God shows up and firms up the word that was preached. When man preaches the gospel, God shows up and strengthens the word that was preached with signs. When man preaches the gospel, God comes with signs and he settles that word in the people's hearts. And he establishes the word in people's hearts through signs. So signs and wonders firm up the word, strengthen the word, settle the word, and establish the word being preached. So we see in Mark chapter 16 that Jesus is confirming the word with miraculous signs. I want you to get this. When the word gets firm, so does the believer. When the word gets strengthened, so does the believer. When the word gets settled, so does the believer, when the word gets established, so does the believer. This is the cause and effect of signs and wonders. Ah, you're really thinking this morning. So let's talk about signs and wonders for a minute. Because we need to understand in this day that we're living in, and we need to know with clarity what to expect. We don't need to be wondering anymore. The days of wondering are over. <laughs> this is not Alice in Wonderland. Come on, somebody. The days of wondering are over. They're over. We don't need to be wondering if God's going to move. We don't need to be wondering if God speaks. We don't need to be wondering if God still has power. We don't need to be wondering if God loves us. There should be a confirmation in us as believers that says God loves me, God's awake, God moves, God's the God of all creation, and he can do anything he wants to at any moment, and if I'll preach the gospel, he'll firm it up. He'll establish it. He'll strengthen it. So what are signs? <laughs> signs are supernatural occurrences that point to a warning, instruction, or encouragement from God. They give credibility to the fact that what is being said is from God. Hmm. So what are wonders? Wonders are the response to the signs. They cause awe in those who see and hear what was done and spoken. When's the last time you found yourself in, oh. I experienced it this morning during that hymn that we sang. That was my mama's favorite hymn. And I experienced awe in that moment. I just went, oh. So signs and wonders are given by God to confirm his word. So wherever truth, wherever the truth of the gospel is preached, signs and wonders will accompany. Did you hear that? 
wherever the truth of the gospel is preached, signs and wonders will accompany. They're going to be there. which is a good indicator if you're sitting in a place with truth being preached. Uh I had this thought, and it's worth mentioning, that God's not going to confirm what is not his in the first place. But boy, whatever's his... You see, I had to repent last year for not preaching God's message. I was preaching messages about God, and to some degree they were good, but they weren't his message for this moment. They were my messages that I took from somebody else or made my own or wrote my own that I thought you needed to hear, and it all came from me. Please forgive me. Please give me some grace. But the minute I started to preach his message, signs and wonders accompanied. Which means this, for me personally, as the the, the lead preacher at this campus, is every week I've got to sit down and sit with the Lord and say, Lord, what do you want to say to the people this week? What is on your heart, Lord? I take my Wednesdays, Lisa guards them like a pit bull. My Wednesdays are like I go in the cave, I put my phone on do not disturb, and I sit with the Lord and I just and I don't write, I don't do nothing until I hear from God. Because if he had to correct me for it, then it must be serious. And since that time, I've been preaching to you nobody else's message but his. And he's confirming it. Stay in Mark 16 and go with me to verse 15 to 18. Look at what it says. And Jesus told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to who? So don't wonder who needs to hear it. Everyone needs to hear it. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. Watch this. They will cast out demons in my name. They will speak in new languages. They will be able to handle snakes with safety, and they will drink poison, anything poisonous, and it won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick, and they will be healed. Can I tell you, I got some issues with the the description there. Can I just tell you, I'm not picking up a snake. I kill snakes. I confirm the word. (laughs) It's not going to harm me (laughs) because it ain't got no head left on it. Come on, somebody. I just, "Ah." and you bring a snake to church, it's going to (laughs) die. We ain't handling it. It's going to die. I'm telling you right now, can I get a witness? Somebody going to kill a snake with me? There you go. All right. So, So Jesus said that these signs would follow those who believe. They would cast out demons. How many demons got cast out this week? Oh, are we just getting good at living with them? Are we getting good at just letting them hang out like a bad neighbor? And we complain about all this stuff and we fuss about all this stuff and we stay grouchy about all this tormenting and oppression that's in our life, but we don't do nothing about it. He said the believers would cast out demons. Demons need to fly. Come on, somebody. They need to fly. As you say bye-bye, right? Like, get out. (sighs) The believers would speak in new languages. Last Sunday, as we were ministering to people afterwards, the Lord told me, he said, there's a lot of people in here that haven't prayed in tongues. They haven't spoken in tongues because they've let the enemy take that from them. And you know you're in a bad spot when you can't pray in the heavenly language that you've been given. Come on. If you're struggling to pray in tongues, I'm not even going to debate whether or not everyone can have tongues. That's not even up for discussion anymore. You've been with me long enough to know that what the word says is that every believer can be baptized. Every believer can speak and pray in tongues. Every believer gets a prayer language. If you ain't got it yet, keep going after it. Jesus is going to baptize you in it, and Jesus is going to give it to you. So we're not going to debate that, even though I think I just debated it. (laughs) 
<laughs> the enemy's been taking the very thing that was given to you to edify you. So what happens is when we don't use the gift that God gives us to edify ourselves, we start to look to men to give us edification that they cannot give you. Your spouse cannot give you what the Lord can give you. So stop expecting it from them. Take the pressure off of them. God gave you a prayer language to build yourself up. You're as built up as you want to be. They will handle snakes with safety. I don't even know what to say about that. I'm just being honest. They'll drink anything poisonous without harm. Okay. They'll place their hands on the sick. And they will recover. They will place their hands on the sick. And they will recover. If you don't have the boldness to place your hands on the sick, you'll never know if they can recover. Shazam. You saw that? If you're too modest to put your hands on somebody who's like, I got a headache, let me pray for you. Let me transfer some of this power that God's given me onto you so that you can receive healing. You'll never know it works until you try. <laughs> oh, well, I'll pray for you tonight. Like, I, need, I got a headache. Like, can somebody do something now? <laughs> I got an aspirin. <laughs> okay. So there's a massive lack of confirmation today. And I believe, honestly, we're all starving for some confirmation. The thing that I'm talking about today, the tangible response of heaven in your life, a sign that causes a wonder. Come on. We're starving for it. You don't even, some of you don't even know you're starving for it. You've gotten so distracted and so, so um, what's the word I'm looking for? So like disillusioned that you, you don't even know that you're missing it anymore. Until God touches you, then you go, oh, that's what I've been missing. Yeah. In Acts chapter 2, verse 17, it's, it says this, that in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Say all. all. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. So if you're seeing visions, that means you're still young. And if you're dreaming dreams, that means you're old. <laughs> Some of you didn't think that was funny. <laughs> In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy, and I will cause wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. What is, what is being said? That I'm going to pour out my spirit, and you're going to be able to know it. Like everybody's going to know it when my spirit is poured out. What does that mean that he pours out his spirit on me? I think that's an honest question. What does that, like, Pastor, what does that mean? Like, I'm, uh, is he going to pour, like, literally pour something on me? Probably not. But he's going to pour out his spirit upon you. It's called an anointing. He's going to anoint you with his spirit. He's going to pour it over you, and it's going to run down over you, and it's going to give you the ability to put some super on your natural. It's going to give you the ability to do what you never thought you could do, say what you never thought you could say, step into a situation that you never thought you had the courage to step into. So who's pouring out the Spirit? Jesus is. Who's causing the signs and wonders? Jesus is. So today we find ourselves in Acts chapter 14. I'm not going to spend a lot of time in there, but that's where this message came from, was Acts chapter 14. Starting in verse 3, it says, But the apostles, Paul, Barnabas, stayed there a long time 
preaching boldly about the grace of the Lord, and the Lord proved their message true by giving them power to do miraculous signs and wonders. So the apostles stayed where they were, preaching boldly. Come on, somebody. This is, this is right here in your face. They were preaching boldly. A spirit-filled believer should be bold in their preaching, not timid in their preaching. Come on, you got to get this this morning. Like, like if there's not a boldness in you to go out into this lost world and preach the gospel of Jesus, you need to ask the question, why? Why am I not experiencing this boldness? Why am I still afraid, shaking in my knees to tell somebody about Jesus? Why, why am I having a hard time telling people I need some boldness? If you don't have boldness, ask for boldness. Don't sit around wondering if you'll ever get boldness. Ask for boldness. How long do I ask until you get it? They preach boldly. And the Lord proved their message by giving them power to do miraculous signs and wonders. Do you know Jesus still does that today? Do you? Do you realize he still does that today? Do you live with an expectation for him to do that today? Have you invited him to do that in your life today? Have you asked him to give you the power for signs and miracles and wonders? Have you asked him for that? Have you made room for him to do that? Have you set yourself up for that? Or have you let life give you an excuse that you're hanging on to, that you refuse to let go of, and now you're living powerless, wondering, what am I supposed to be doing? Jesus confirms when the gospel's being preached. You've heard me say this before. Don't preach OSC. Please don't preach OSC. Don't preach our Savior's church. Don't bring that curse upon us. Preach Jesus. And if they want to come with you to OSC, that's fine. But preach Jesus. Wherever you go, Jesus. What's the solution to your problem? Jesus. Who can bring deliverance in your life? Jesus. Who can help you in your marriage? Jesus. He wants to know you personally, and he wants you to know him personally. Jesus. We win people with Jesus, not gimmicks. Because what you win people with is what you win people to. So don't win them with OSC. Win them with Jesus. I know this is going against the norm. This is kind of like, it's like trying to swim upstream. It's like this don't even make sense, Pastor. Like you're, you're crippling the church because you're not even promoting OSC. I, I, Jesus didn't save me to promote OSC. Jesus saved me to make him famous. I love my church. I believe in my church. I believe in everything we do. I invite people to this church. Why? Because I believe in what we do. My feet are set firm that what we're doing is what God's telling us to do. From the parking lot to the pulpit, in kids, in every environment, life groups, I believe we're doing what God wants us to do. So I don't have an issue inviting people to the church, but I'm going to win them with Jesus. And when I win them with Jesus, he's going to show up with some signs and cause some wonders. So Jesus confirms the word that's being preached. How do we know what to do and when to do it? You ever thought that? How do you know what to do and when to do it? I've often asked that question. I was in the land of wondering. I was like, Lord, like, like, what am I supposed to do? Like, you know, I don't even know what to do, when to do it. Like, when you, like, how, how do you know this? Like, the Bible don't tell you to go to McDonald's and pray for Betty Sue with blonde hair. I mean, he don't tell you to do that. The Bible, I never read that in scripture. But, but like, how do I do that, Lord? Like, how do I respond to how you're leading me? You ever wonder? It's okay to say you're wondering. Wondering's not the devil. Just don't stay wondering. Come home. <laughs> Every believer gets this gift called discernment. 
Not, not the, the, the spiritual gift discerning of the spirits, but every believer gets this gift to be able to discern, which, which I mean it like this, to be able to listen and hear the Holy Spirit leading you. Every believer gets that. Why would God give you the Holy Spirit if you can't connect with him? Come on. Like you got the Holy Spirit, but y'all can't talk. That's just weird. It's discernment. To discern is to separate by the eye or by understanding. It means to distinguish, to see the difference between two or more things, to discover, to see. My own definition is discernment is knowing what God wants to do in the moment you find yourself in. That's discernment. It's a momentary, it's, it's a moment by moment type of thing. Lord, what do you want me to do in this situation? Which does this, it changes the way I go to Walmart. It changes the way I fill up my tank of gas. And some of you are going, oh, I've been changed, all right. Listen to me. Don't f- tell people how bad, the- everybody knows how bad the gas prices are. Tell them, tell them something that will give them a solution. Lead them to Jesus, and one day they won't have to buy gas no more. Or did you forget we're going to heaven one day? That's right. No petrol. We'll be, we'll be running on a different kind of oil. Come on, somebody. The sermon is knowing what God wants you to do in the moment you find yourself in it. So if you're not there yet, listen to me. I just I want to beg you for a minute. If you're not there yet, would you just start to ask God to get you there? Would you start to ask God, Lord, would you, would you give me some discernment? God, would you help me to discern? Lord, I realize this morning I'm not really good at discerning. I kind of blindly walk into things sometimes unprepared. Would you help me? Don't sit there mute and not even asking for it. The only way you're going to get it is when you ask for it. Lord, help me to see like you see. Pastor Bubba used to say it this way. Lord, give me Jesus contact lenses. Help me to see how Jesus sees. Come on, every moment, every situation, God has an assignment for that. And you're his representative. Are you listening to me today? Is anybody awake today? I don't feel like you're awake. I'm just like, and it's not according to your response. I just feel in my heart like you're just like, yeah, okay, he's preaching again. He's screaming at us again. Come to church every Sunday, he screams at us. When my kids wouldn't wake up, I had to get a little bit louder. God gave me volume. (laughs) He's cranking it up. Come on. Ah. Some of you are going to have to choose today. Are you going to serve Jesus or not? I think that's the real question God's asking right now. Is are you going to serve him or not? God wants to know who's going to serve him today. Not who's going to play with the world and then act like they're serving him. Not somebody who's going to put one foot on this side of the fence and one foot on this side of the fence so I can be cool with everybody. God's not looking for that. That's what he throws up out of his mouth. It makes him sick when people straddle the fence. He's asking the question, are you all in or not? Because he's not playing anymore. We are in the last days. You don't get no more further into the last days than we are right now. We're in the last days. Wake up. Wake up. I want to get busted. I want to get busted preaching. I want to get busted telling somebody about Jesus. I don't want to get busted complaining about Joe Biden. Lord, help me. That's the bottom of the barrel. If God, Jesus, when Jesus comes back, I want him to catch me. You're going to have to make a decision today. I mean, it's just, it's not popular and it don't feel good when you preach this kind of stuff. But listen to me. I told God I'd say anything he wants me to say. And he's asking the question, are you going to serve him or not? 
Some of you still debate whether or not you're going to go to church on Sunday or not. Lord Jesus, grow up. That's bottom of the barrel stuff. You need to be asking the question, Lord, who do you want me to reach today? Lord, is there anything in my plans and my schedule that you want to wreck? Because it's more fun for you to wreck my schedule than for me to go on about my life. He loves you. That's not in question. That's not in question today. It's not whether or not he loves you. He 100% loves you. He's all in with you. He's not straddling the fence on you. Why are you straddling it on him? He went all in. Put everything on the table. Put his son for us. I'm all in. When, when he made his decision, he said, I'm all in. Here it is. Everything I got right here. The best I got right here is on you. I give it to you. So we can't afford to sit around wondering if we're going to get these things that God's already given to us. We can't sit around wondering if we'll ever get some discernment and we're not even asking for it. We can't, ever, we can't sit around wondering if, if God's going to show up if we never invite him to show up. If we don't make room for him to show up. If we don't yield our lives to him to show up. I've learned this recently that the more I die, the more he lives. The more I get out of the way, the more he shows up. When it's less about my power and more about his, things change and things happen. Are you asking God what he wants you to do in the situation that you find yourself in? Write this down. God is not playing. E-N, not I-N-G. He's speaking our language. He's playing. He's not playing. God is not playing. In the last days, I will pour out my spirit. In the last days, I will pour out my spirit. When? In the last days. What are we in? You don't need to question that. We're in the last days. Verse 8. Watch how this works. I'm going to give you two examples of how this discernment works and how this confirmation works. God shows us in, in verse 8 and 11 of chapter 14, and then he shows us through Jesus in chapter 6 of Luke. Acts 14, 8. While they were at Lystra, this is Paul and Barnabas. Paul and Barnabas came upon a man with crippled feet. He had been that way from birth. So he had never walked. So he had been that way from birth. He was born that Wait, you ever hear that excuse? Well, I'm just born that way. That's okay. <laughs> God can change that too. <laughs> that's, not, that's not a legitimate excuse. Well, I was born this way. No, you, yeah, okay, so you was. I'm not going to argue with you. Okay, maybe you were born with, with a, a crooked eyebrow, but, you know, God can straighten that thing up. Like, okay, so, like, you don't have to live with the crooked eyebrow now because God can straighten that thing up. So just because you were, anyway. He, he had been that way from birth, so he had never walked. He was sitting, watch this now, he was sitting and listening as Paul preached. So Paul is preaching, just like I'm doing right now, I'm preaching. Watch this. Looking straight at him, the crippled guy, Paul realized he had faith to be healed. So Paul called to him in a loud voice, stand up. So it's like this. I'm preaching right now, right? I'm preaching. You hear me preaching. I'm preaching, and I look at, and I gaze upon Mr. Bob, and I see he has faith to grow some new hair. Grow new hair. And poof, chia pet. Come on, somebody. Poof, just comes out. This guy stands up. 
And the man jumped to his feet. But he was born that way. But he was, God changed the natural course of his life. God changed everything that he'd ever believed. He was born that way. But he jumped up this time. He jumped to his feet and started walking. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in their local dialect. They went crazy. They tried, they tried to call Paul and Barnabas gods. They gave them God names. They, they, don't, they tore their shirt. They're like, ah, don't put that on us. So Paul's preaching. He notices the guy has faith to be healed, and he's looking. Watch this. is so good. I've said this the last couple of weeks, and I'm hoping you're grabbing it. He's looking straight at the guy. <laughs> you know it's important to look people in the eye. I grabbed a young man's hand this morning, and he shook my hand, and I said, okay, you got to firm that up a little bit. I said, squeeze. If you squeeze, I can't hurt you, and then I put a little more pressure on him. I said, now look up. Look, look me in the eye. So you always look a man in the eye. And he's like, that hurts. I'm like, you ain't squeezing. <laughs> Send me your boys. Paul looked him in the eyes, and in a, watch this, in a flash, he got discernment. Now, the guy didn't have a billboard running across his head that says, I now have faith to be healed. He did not have a sticker that says, I now have faith to be healed. I've qualified for healing. He had none of that. The guy's looking at Paul. Paul's preaching. Paul looks at the guy and says, and realizes he has faith to be healed. What is that? How did Paul realize that? Discernment. Discernment is seeing in the supernatural what you can't see in the natural. For the moment. And in the middle of his message, he says, stand up. Jumps up. Look at your neighbor and say, it can happen in the moment. Which dispels the lie that God is slow. <laughs> For real. And God is not slow. God is very fast. <laughs> Lord Jesus, he'll give you something in a flash. Paul doesn't wait to the end of his message to deal with the guy. I've heard this before myself. The Holy Spirit say, do it now. Do it now. Like right now? Like, yeah, do it now. Okay. Say this. Do this. Go here. Do that. I hear him saying it. And watch this. As soon as Paul did, what happened? Sign. What happened to the church service? <laughs> they woke up that time. They was woke after that. I mean, the dude jumped up. That'd be like Brandon jumping up on the top of his chair right now. You would all be like, Sign. What, what happened in that sign? What happened when the crippled man jumped up? What happened when Paul yielded himself to the Holy Spirit to be used by the Holy Spirit and in one moment does something the Holy Spirit tells him to do and he looks at the guy and says, stand up, and the guy stands up. What happens to the church when the sign comes? They went ballistic. Why? Because something was just confirmed inside of them. The preaching they had been listening to was firmed up all of a sudden. It was strengthened. It was established. It was settled in the moment. Am I in the right church? Yeah. All right, let's, let's see it in Jesus. Go to me to Luke chapter 6. I'm almost done, I think. Luke chapter 6. Y'all hear that? That's called paper. Y'all hear that paper turning? That's a sweet, sweet sound. 
Turn your pages with gladness. Come on, somebody. Turn them. The, the, the Bible papers are tough. You can turn them pretty fast. They can take a licking. <laughs> Some of you didn't see to catch that one. That's okay. You was looking at your Bible. Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 6. It says, on the Sabbath day, a man with a deformed right hand was in the synagogue while Jesus was teaching. The teachers of religious law and the Pharisees watched Jesus closely. Can I just tell you something? People are watching you closely. Answer, the, answer this question in your own heart. What are they seeing? They're watching Jesus closely. If he healed the man's hand, they planned to accuse him of working on the Sabbath. But Jesus knew their thoughts. I wonder how he did that. He said to the man with the deformed hand, come and stand in front of everyone. I love that. Just come and stand in front of everyone. Come here, buddy. Come here, Caleb. Come here. You're going to be my prop today. Good looking prop. Best looking prop in town. Come on, somebody. Just stand right here. Just stand right here. There you go. He said to the man, come and stand in front of everyone. So the man came forward, just like Caleb did. Good job. Then Jesus said to his critics, I have a question for you. Does the law permit good deeds on the Sabbath, or is it a day for doing evil? Is this a day to save life or to destroy it? Pay attention to verse 10. And he looked around at them one by one. Jesus mean-mugged them. One by one. There's a power when, it, when you look somebody in the eye. I'm just telling you. One by one, and then he said to the man, hold out your hand. So the man held out his hand, and it was restored. That's interesting, isn't it? Jesus could have did what Paul did. He could have saw the guy and just said, be restored. Why didn't he do that? What was Jesus doing? Why did he call the guy up, stop everything that's going on, and do this spectacle type of thing in front of everybody? Why do all that? Why would Jesus, do you think he's trying to show us something? You can shake your head or say amen or disagree. It doesn't matter. Do you think he's trying to show us something? He wanted them to see what he saw. Jesus saw the man's hand restored before the man's hand was restored. How did Jesus see that? Yeah, I know he's Jesus, but listen to me. He was anointed just like we're anointed. He, he, was, he was baptized just like we're baptized. Jesus is just as much flesh as you are. It isn't just because he's Jesus. You just saw it in Paul. How does that apply to you? Thank you, Caleb. Give Caleb a big hand. You're restored, Caleb. <laughs> and I mean that. Jesus was anointed just like we are. You remember when he came up out the water and the Holy Spirit came down upon him? Do you realize Jesus didn't perform any miracles until he came out of the water and was anointed? Shazam. I never knew that. Why call the guy up and make a spectacle? Why call him up so everybody can see? It's almost like saying, why do a sign? Like, do we really need signs and wonders? Like, are they really necessary for today? Do you know how many people are debating that? I could go to the different churches in town, and they would all debate it differently. Ah, oh, it's for the end times. Well, bruh, we ain't going to get no closer than this. Well, that's for the, that's for the rapture. That's for the That's for the blah, 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 blah. That was back then. This isn't for the bullcorn. 
and do it. Why call him up in front of everybody? Why look at everybody one by one? I mean, y'all see me looking at you? One by one. Christy, it's your turn. Mr. Bob, it's your turn. He's looking at them one by one. Brings the guy up and looks him in the eyes. Jesus said, I only do what the Father tells me to do. I only say what he tells me to say. What was his connection between the Father and himself? You could say it was his prayer life, right? That would would be correct. His prayer life was one of his connections. What was another connection? Could it be the Holy Spirit? Could it be that Jesus was led by the Spirit? Just like we're being led by the Spirit? It's better than being led by the flesh. It's better than being led by the world to be led by the spirit. Spirit heals. The spirit gives life. Flesh kills. Flesh takes life. So the man held out his hand and he was restored. Six quick points. How do I grow in discernment? How do I grow in discernment? I realize as I'm preaching this morning that there's a bunch of you. Lord didn't say a few. He said a bunch. There's a bunch of you this morning that don't, you just don't understand discernment. You don't, you just walk through life blind. I don't mean that to hurt, to hurt you or offend you. I just mean that to be brutally honest with you. You you walk through life blind and it's caused you a lot of trouble and it's time to stop that. You've got a gift, use it, grow in it, get better at it, ask for help with it. My wife's gift of discernment is stronger than mine. It annoys me sometimes. Seriously. Like she goes, oh, something ain't right. <sighs> anyway, another story for another day, right? <laughs> right, babe? But you're, you're right. Y'all heard me tell my wife she was right? I just want to get that on record. So how do I grow in discernment? Number one, consistently study God's word. Do you know studying God's word doesn't just make you smarter? It helps you to grow deeper in relationship with God. How many of you will stalk people on social media? Like before, like, it's okay, some of you don't. We're a little bit of an older congregation, but how many of you, okay, I, I realize that's an awkward question to ask for a response. I, I, just, I just caught that. Okay, without raising, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, what, two of y'all, y'all lying up in church? Yo, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to embarrass you. <laughs> didn't catch that. But, but we'll stalk people. Like if you're selling something on Facebook Marketplace and somebody's going to meet you at the gas station, I, I'll just talk about me, I will go to their profile on Facebook and look at their post. And if it's shady, I ain't going. Right? Why? Because they're shady. Because I I took some time to get to know about them and I realized I don't want to be in relationship with them. Not even for a minute. When you read God's word... You discover God in his word. You find out who God is in his word. So studying his word is not just to make you smarter, but it draws you deeper into a relationship with God. Uh, I thought I at least had 90% amens on that one, but that's okay. Because I'm judging, y'all. I'm judging your response by percentages right now. <laughs> y'all know better than that. Y'all know me way better than that. 
Consistently studying God's word draws you into a deeper relationship with God. When you open up the book, look for God. Don't just look for something cute to say. Look for God in the book. Consistently. Number two, how do you grow in discernment? You need to have a healthy fear of God. There needs to be a deep respect and reverence for God in your heart. Like you need to, you need to live with the understanding that God knows everything and I know very little. God's over everything, and I'm not in control of much. Deep respect and reverence, not a trembling fear where you're hiding in the corner, but a deep, healthy fear of God. Number three, you need to ask for discernment. You know, for some of you, the best question you can ask yourself before you say something, post something, write something is, should I really say this? Can I get a witness in the place? Come on, because there's people out there, God didn't give them a stop sign. Right? Ask for it in the moment. If you need it, ask for it. You're not figuring out a math problem. You're relaying a solution to life to somebody. You don't have it in your pocket. Ask for it. His Wi-Fi speed is fast. Like, you've never experienced how fast that is. Lord, what do you want me to say right now? You know how many times I think that? I've thought that several times as I'm preaching this morning. Lord, what do you want me to say right now? Do you want me to chase this? Do you want me to chase that? Do you want me to go here? Do you want me to go there? What am I doing? I'm asking for discernment. What am I really asking for? I'm asking him to lead me. Lead me. I'm already yielded to him. Lead me. Come on, you got to get this. You got to put these together. I'm already yielded to him. Me being yielded to God, yielded to God is not something that I have to debate all the time and not a decision I have to make every day. I make the decision. I'm yielded to God. And now I'm asking you for discernment in this moment. Watch this. In the moment, but also in life. Ever made a bad decision? Wondered why? No discernment. Sometimes the best question you can ask is, God, should I buy this? God, should I do this? God, should I say this? God, should I show this? God, should I? God, should I? God, should I? Ask for discernment. Number four, stay filled. We learned last week we leak. Stay spiritually awake, not distracted, not stopped, and not deceived. Stay spiritually awake. Realize when you're not awake and ask for God to wake you. Pray in the spirit. Come on. It's not just for the Pentecostals. And people that pray in tongues aren't weird. They're edified. The reason you think they're weird is because you're not edified. Anyway. Number five. (laughs) You're going to love this one. Oh, yeah. Stay pure. Stay pure. I wrote this down. Do Do only what keeps the spirit around. Stop doing stuff that runs the spirit off. Stay pure. You realize the spirit was, when Jesus came up out of the water, it says the spirit descended upon him like a dove. It's a descriptive term that, that the spirit came upon Jesus like a dove. We see doves in South Louisiana. They spook easy, don't they? To keep a dove around, it's got to be a a peaceful environment. 
I could go like 10 different directions right now. I'm just, I'll see him. It's like, get all up in your Kool-Aid, mess it up, and send you home. Stay pure. I'm having a hard time watching TV these days. Because it's hard to stay pure. Even with an antenna. Like I'm not even paying for the temptation. It's free. Junk everywhere. Stay pure. Number six. You need to learn the power of the pause. I've been telling you the last couple of weeks about looking people in the eye. And I don't mean that as literal as I mean it. I'm having a hard time with spiritual. I mean it, I mean like like in when you're in the moment, be in the moment. When you're in front of somebody, especially your kids, my God, you need to look your kids in the eyes. They need eye contact with you. But it's looking into their soul. It's looking into the moment. It's focusing on this moment right here, right now, and asking the question in your mind, Lord, what do you want me to do? Lord, what am I in front of? Lord, what's in front of me? How do I respond right now? Tell me what to say. Come on. It's just a little pause. We're not stopping life. We're not doing it. It's just a little pause, a little moment to say, okay. And then as soon as you get it, do it. But what if it's not God? Well, you're going to find out shortly. <laughs> Hi, my name's Jamie. I've gotten it wrong many times. I got it wrong till I got it right. The power of the pause. Make room for God in your life. Rhythms. Make room for God in your life rhythms and make room for God in ministry moments. The world needs confirmation. The word needs confirmation. We're moving in a direction right now as a church. There's not enough time to keep going back over some things. There's not enough time to keep going back to the milk of the things. It's time to start chewing on some stuff. So, so some of you are going to have to get out of your comfortable spot and keep up. I mean it very graciously, but you're going to have to like decide in your heart whether you're going to serve Jesus or not. If you don't want to serve Jesus this way, if you don't want to serve Jesus in an everyday moment, you probably need to go find another church because you're going to be frustrated here. Because this is where we're going. I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep preaching on purity. I'm going to keep preaching on the things that God's telling me to preach on. I'm going to keep on preaching that we all need to be preaching in this world today. And I'm going to keep on preaching that signs and wonders should be following. I'm going to keep on preaching what God says to preach. And it's going to frustrate you if you're not all in. So I just want to kindly tell you, this is not popular, but I just want to kindly tell you, if you don't want to be all in, I know that sounds bad. How's that landing inside of you right now? Real quick, go with me to, to Second Timothy.
shared this with our leaders on Friday night. 2 Timothy chapter 3. <clears throat> I guess I'm going to do the same exercise I did with them. Real quick. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Make sure your pencil's ready. We're going to check some boxes today. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Paul is writing a letter to his spiritual son, Timothy, who's pastoring the church that Paul planted. And he's given Timothy some instructions and he's given him some warnings and he's given him some very practical things to look at. And I want us to see it today because I believe this is a word from God for us today. Because some of you are in denial that we're in the times that we're in. And you're not taking what we're in seriously. Verse 1. You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. Say that with me. Say very difficult times. Not just regular difficult times. Very difficult times. When? In the last days. In the last days, there will be very difficult times, for people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that can make them godly. Watch this. Stay away from those people. They are the kind who work their way into people's homes and win the confidence of vulnerable women who are burdened with the, with the guilt of sin and controlled by various desires. Verse 8, these teachers oppose the truth, just as Janus and Jambres did, oppose Moses. They have de depraved minds and a counterfeit faith, but they won't get away with this for long. Someday, everyone will recognize what fools they are, just as with Janus and Jambres. Okay, I'm going to give you a list, and I want you to be brutally honest today, okay? And I want you to respond. I'm going to ask you to, I'm going to give you a list. And as I give you each item on the list, I want you to say, check if it's real. If we're living in these days, just say check. Okay. So practice one time. Say check. Okay. Oh, Y'all ready? There will be very difficult times. People will love only themselves and their money. They will, they will be boastful and proud. Scoffing at God disobedient to their parents, ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred, unloving, unforgiving. They will slander others, no self-control, cruel, hate what is good, betray their friends, reckless, puffed up with pride, love pleasure rather than God, act religious, Act religious. Act religious. Act religious. Act religious. Act religious. No, I'm being like act religious. What? Reject the power that can make them godly. You know how many people are running from the power of God today? Churches, denominations have said, back off of the spiritual things because people won't show up when the power of God is there. Churches! They will oppose the truth. Oh, maybe we've got a split decision. S split decision? All, all opposed, say... <laughs> They will have depraved minds and a counterfeit faith. When I read the scriptures, I always ask God about me first. Because it's judgmental to look at other people before I look at myself. So we just had fun. Check, 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 check. Oh, I know them. And you saw faces. You saw people. 
you heard things when we were checking off those boxes, but I bet you most of it was about other people. How about we start with us? Do I act religious? Do I have a counterfeit faith? Do I slander others? Do I have no self-control? Do I hate what is good? Do I love pleasure rather than God?